And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 5th of February. I'm Tim Spears and coming up today... This was a really phenomenal win for Arsenal. Arsenal show their mettle with a crucial win over Liverpool. It was one of the most straightforward victories United have had all season. United up to sixth as they swat aside West Ham. Chelsea supporters by and large have been really patient with what's happened since their club was taken over and I think this was just one step too far. And more misery for Chelsea as they lose 4-2 at home to Wolves. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. It's been raining goals in the Premier League and we've also got some big stories from across Europe and beyond to fill you in on. So let's start with our weekend roundup. We'll focus on Arsenal's massive win, Chelsea's massive misery and the rest of Sunday's action shortly. But first, Saturday saw a remarkable day of goal-laden Premier League classics. Not least Newcastle and little old Luton playing out a 4-4 draw at St James's Park. Elsewhere, Aston Villa cemented their European aspirations by thumping beleaguered, sandwich-hating Chris Wilder's Sheffield United 5-0, while Spurs were pegged back 2-2 in Everton despite in-form Richarlison scoring twice against his former club. His second was especially tasty. Edge of the penalty area, Madison onto Richarlison! Superb! How about that from the Brazilian Richarlison? Across Europe, the standout result was on Sunday night where the top two met in the Derby d'Italia, the Derby of Italy to me and you, and Inter Milan increased their lead to four points with a 1-0 win over Juventus. There was also a big derby in Spain and it finished 1-1 between Real and Atletico in Madrid. Marcus Llorente scored a 93rd minute equaliser for Diego Simeone's side. Real are two points clear at the top of La Liga and they play second place Girona on Saturday. And the Africa Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup continue to provide thrilling drama. Host Ivory Coast scored in the last minute of normal and extra time to somehow beat Mali with 10 men. They joined South Africa, Nigeria and DR Congo in Wednesday's semis. While over in Qatar, it's the hosts against Iran and South Korea v Jordan in Tuesday's semi-finals. Right, back to the Premier League now, where boy do we have a title race on our hands. Trossard is free here. Clear rebellion. Leandro Trossard has punctured Arsenal. Arsenal could have gone eight points adrift of leaders Liverpool at the Emirates on Sunday. Instead, they closed the gap to two with a 3-1 victory in a tense and often chaotic encounter as 10-man Liverpool lost in the league for only the second time this season. A cataclysmic error from Liverpool's keeper Alison Becker gifted a goal to Gabriel Martinelli before Leandro Trossard, via a deflection, nutmegged the keeper with a late third. And that was after a comical own goal by Arsenal defender Gabriel on the stroke of half-time had allowed the Reds to go into the break level, having trailed since Bakayo Saka's 14th minute opener. Our Arsenal reporter Amy Lawrence and Liverpool writer James Pearce were at a noisy Emirates stadium and I caught up with them both at full-time. First up, here's Amy. 
this was a really phenomenal win for Arsenal. It felt like the whole sort of strain of the season was on the line, not just could they keep this season alive, but even in who Arsenal are and how they're trying to play. Are they better off playing controlled football? Have they lost a bit of momentum and a bit of energy, a bit of tempo? They cut out mistakes well. They came back, came back with a vengeance. But I think it's uh, it's something that shows in that first 45 minutes, that was an Arsenal to believe in. That was an Arsenal that I think the fans and to an extent Arteta have been crying out for. To have that level of high competitive dominance against a great opponent. It just shows what they're capable of. And reaching those heights consistently has been something Arsenal haven't done this season. But they showed themselves what they can bring. And then I guess the mental test of the shock of what happened just before half-time to sort of seemingly shoot themselves in the foot throw away everything. They needed to go again and it felt very, very deflated at the start of the second half. So finding that route back into the game, picking themselves off the ropes, is again something that... I think psychologically is a big step for Arsenal. So they've gained a lot more than three points from this win. I mean, it was a really impressive show of mental strength throughout the team, Amy. Who in particular stood out for you? Uh, There was a point about 10 minutes from the end when the one player who was being lauded from all around the ground in song, Jorginho, his level of control, his capacity to be appearing to think five steps ahead of most of the people around him, um, and even in the very latter stages, obviously, it was a huge amount of effort put into a game like this. He was sprinting back to uh, try and make a recovery one. And his influence was huge. Um, I think he added such a lot. Him and, and Rice, particularly in the first half when they were playing so well, gave a strong and impressive and intelligent platform. You go back a few years and think about how Arsenal were known for that so-called soft centre. And the way that Jorginho and Rice in particular were at their best shows a very, very tough centre of the pitch. And here's James Pearce, who explained why Liverpool seemed oddly off colour. Let's not forget that, you know, there's no Mo Salah at the minute. Losing Dominic Zabozlai in, uh, before the game was, was a tough one. He, he suffered with some pain in his, his hamstring, which is a recurrence of a, of a previous injury by the look of it. You know, you've got obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson still building their way back up to full fitness after injuries. Uh, and, I, and I think probably a bit of fatigue. They've, you know, they've... Obviously, maintaining a challenge on four fronts takes it out. You know, I just thought Liverpool lacked their usual energy and spark and creativity today. And, you know, right down to the manager himself. I think he's, he's made a habit this season of, of being, you know, very successful in terms of making changes that switch the dynamic and make Liverpool better. But that, that didn't really happen today. And Arsenal were worthy winners. How damaging a defeat will this prove to be then, James? Well, I think only time will tell. It hurts, obviously, for Liverpool fans at the moment, but they'll know and Klopp and the players will know there's a long, long way to go in this title race. We're only in the early days of February. They're still top as things stands. Of course, it means now that City, with, what, they five points behind with two games in hand, they could go top, but they've still got to come to Anfield. So, um, yeah, I think the message will be no panic. Of course, they were nowhere near their usual levels today. And do you know what? That's a real rarity this season because... Their consistency has been extraordinary, but you'd have to say this is a day to forget. If you're an Arsenal fan, you can hear more from a jubilant Amy on our Handbrake Off podcast. While Liverpool fans, you'll probably find the latest episode of Walk On a bit more sombre than usual. Manchester United have nicked it from Calvin Phillips, and it's McTominay, and it's Garnacho, and it's 
What a difference a week makes. Seven days after creaking past League 2 Newport in the FA Cup and dealing with star striker Marcus Rashford's tequila-filled bender in Belfast, Manchester United followed up their last gasp win over Wolves in midweek with a comfortable 3-0 win over West Ham. Goals from Rasmus Hoyland, his fourth in as many games, and a double from Alejandro Garnacho mean Eric Ten Hag's side move up to the dizzying heights of sixth. It was United's biggest home win of the season and their first clean sheet in the league since December. Bar what's believed to be a season-ending injury for defender Lissandro Martinez, it was all smiles around Old Trafford, not least from our reporter, Carl Anker. Carl, that was about as good as it's been for United this season. Has this team turned a corner again? Uh, Bruno Fernandes asked for people to stop calling late comeback victories a turning point after the victory of Aston Villa. Uh, United then went off and lost the night in Paris. So hmm, we've had more than one false dawn this season. Although I'm talking to you right now, Manchester United are unbeaten in five games. This is their longest unbeaten streak in the season. And now some of their best players have returned from injury. Casemiro, Luke Shaw, and the fact that Rasmus Wollens hit in a good run of form. Four goals in these last four games. Hopefully, this could be United uh, beginning to make a climb up the table. And who impressed you the most, Carl? Alejandro Garnacho with two goals uh, from the right-hand side, which is an unfamiliar role for him before this season. But he's really come into a good plane of form. Hoyland, as I mentioned before, now has four goals in his last four games. But also Diogo Dalla, quietly very effective from right back. He made one late stop um, after a Jared Bowen counter-attack. Uh, Aaron Maguire misjudged it. Had a, it looked like Bowen was in. But Dalla came back to make the retreat. One thing about Dalla, he made the block, then tried the Serie A-style defender where you could go and high-five a teammate. But he didn't quite notice that the ball hadn't gone out of play. So he had to spin around and go, ooh. And you can hear more of Carl's thoughts about the game in the latest episode of the Talk of the Devils podcast, which is out right now. That's the sound of a very unhappy Stamford Bridge crowd as they witness yet another shambolic defensive display from Mauricio Pochettino's group of inconsistent Chelsea misfits. Mateus Cunha bagged a hat-trick in the 4-2 defeat to Wolves, who replaced the Blues in the top half of the table. The result means Chelsea have conceded four goals in consecutive league defeats, and although they have a League Cup final with Liverpool at the end of the month, some might say it's pretty ominous that Poch has accrued the same number of points at this stage of the season as his predecessor, Graham Potter, who was sacked six games later. Matt Davis-Adams is the host of the Athletics' Chelsea podcast, Straight Outta Cobham, and I caught up with him a little earlier. Chelsea have had a, a really difficult week after what's been a positive few months generally. They hadn't lost at home since October before this, although if you dig a little deeper into that and look at the teams they've beaten, there's not many standouts amongst them. Um, but this was deeply concerning because they took the lead with what was their only moment of quality in the game. But in recent months, the story has been about Chelsea's frontline misfiring. And I think now it is creeping more towards the midfield not functioning, the defence looking very, very shaky and the manager not really having solutions to problems that occur during games. And these are a lot of problems. And when you have that many problems, you end up losing 4-2 at home to Wolves. And also, we heard a lot of stick, didn't we, from, from the fans 
perhaps more than we have at any point this season? Yes, I think the Chelsea supporters by and large have been really patient with what's happened since the club was taken over and I think this was just one step too far. Um, in terms of this game, they were lucky to go one in front because they weren't playing well but they weren't able to hold that lead for long enough to build any confidence in the game and, and Moses Caicedo, who was kind of the poster boy for the rubbishness of this performance had played the best pass he's played in a Chelsea shirt to set Cole Palmer up for the goal and then seconds later he's dispossessed in midfield and Wolves end up equalising and that begat what was a very very bad day for him in particular um, but yeah as you say the supporters turned there were boos at half time there were chance of we're effing S uh, in response to the Wolves fans levelling the same charge at them it's the first time I've heard Roman Abramovich's name chanted at a home game it happens quite a lot at away games first time I've heard it at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and this is obviously a problem for Chelsea's owners. It's a problem for Maurizio Pochettino, who doesn't have any credit in the bank, really, with Chelsea supporters because he's a former Spurs manager. And he's not made any particular efforts to endear himself to Chelsea supporters. And that means that he is a target for their ire at the moment, I think. Um, looking ahead, Villa in the Cup on Wednesday, then Palace and Man City away, and then the Carabao Cup final. It's hard to call with Chelsea this season, but, you know, what next? Yeah, I mean, Villa looks incredibly difficult, doesn't it, with Chelsea's away form of late, particularly when they go to anybody half-decent, they, they tend to struggle. Now, Palace, you might say that's a good game at a good time. A lot of that depends on whether Elise and Eze are playing. The League Cup final, based on what we saw last week, is going to be a clobbering, but it's a one-off game, it's a cup final. Who knows? You know, we could be talking at the end of February with Chelsea with a trophy in the bank, a place in the FA Cup quarter-final and having won a London derby and looking up at the dizzying heights of seventh place in the league. But that is being incredibly optimistic. Cheers, Matt. Bad news for Chelsea, but it's pretty Boston if you're a Wolves fan. There's just the one game in the Premier League this evening. That's Brentford against Man City. It's on Sky Sports in the UK and Peacock in the US. The Bees have won the last two meetings against the champions. Can they make it three in a row? Or will City move level with Arsenal two points behind Liverpool? We'll leave you on that cliffhanger because that is it for today's briefing. I've been Tim Spears. Ben Green did the knob twiddling and the chin stroking. Ian McIntosh just did the chin stroking. Michael Bailey will be with you tomorrow, which is something that each and every one of you can look forward to. Thanks for listening. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.